following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College football week seven edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Brad Powers. To my left, Ken Thompson. I'm R.J. Bell. And what, what a jam-packed show we have. Action-packed. From start to finish this week. And man, the listenership, the feedback, we are breaking records literally every week. Guys, compared to last year at this time, our listenership is up. This is going to sound crazy about five times. Think about that. For every person listening a year ago to the Dream Preview, five times as many this year. We want to thank you for that. And Later in the show, we have a special monetary thank you, another record broken. Today, though, in this show, we've got the public pounder, one game that the public is just going crazy on. We've got a crossfire between Brad and Ken. They go at it with vigor. We also have a big trend play. We got total plays. We got Brad versus the world. Ken disagrees with him. And the AP on one team in particular. Well, one team for the AP, one for Ken. Two different games. We've got a funny, curious line move we're looking at. And then, obviously, the best bets. And a couple of totals, too. Yet, like I said, jam-packed. Let's get straight to it. First game we're looking at, Michigan-Indiana. In that game, Michigan, off the loss, off the loss, is a... Six and a half point favorite at Indiana. And can you disagree with Brad on this one? Which team do you disagree with his power ratings on? I, I disagree with Michigan. I think Michigan, and I said it early in the year, I said I thought this team was very overrated because they did lose a lot. And again, a lot of the blame going on Harbaugh because he's the captain of the ship. And so when you get beat by your rival, you're really going to hear it from the crowd. And now he starts off one and four against Ohio State and Michigan State. And that's not good because. They wanted to stem the tide there. That's what they expected Harbaugh to do was win these two particular games against their two arch rivals. And when you lose at home at the big house to Michigan State, that doesn't bode well. But I'm thinking that this Michigan team, when I look at them, yes, they beat a Florida team that was banged up offensively, really didn't have much uh, suspension-wise. Their two best players offensively going into that game one were suspended right before the game. Their running back, Scarlett, their receiver, Callaway. And then Cincinnati, they struggled with Cincy. I had Cincy with the points. Uh, they struggled with Air Force, a Mountain West team that's sitting at 1-4 and four right now. That doesn't look good. Both those games at the big house. They beat Purdue, got a break there, uh, you, you know, in that particular game when I thought, you know, Spate went out, their quarterback, and I thought it was a good thing because O'Corn had Purdue off balance. They got that win 28-10, so you figure they're going to follow that up now with momentum with O'Corn going back to the big house and beat Michigan State. Instead, they have trouble getting out of their own way. The offense looks stagnant as hell, and, and, and right now Michigan at number 16, and I know Brad's dropped him, but I got him right around number 24. All right, so Brad says 16. You say 24. So you think Brad has Michigan overrated? Michigan, yes. You just ticked off some of the reasons. Respond. Here's why I'm standing pat with my current rating of Michigan at number 16. I, You're correct. I've downgraded them three and a half points since the start of the season, and I wasn't as high on Michigan as the rest of the market coming in. 
Here's what I still like about Michigan, and I think they still have a top-five caliber defense. It's not the defense's problem. I think it was a game where, obviously, weather played a little bit of a factor with them protecting the football, but they were minus-five turnovers in that game and still had a chance to win the game outright at the very end. Very rarely is that a case in any game when you're minus-five turnovers. So I'm going to give that as more of a caveat, uh, an outlier performance, give them another chance here. I didn't downgrade him as much as the rest of the market off that loss to Michigan State, just a couple of points. And I love Michigan in that game. I'm going to give O'Corn one chance because we have one really good spot with him performing against Purdue and one really bad one. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And, RJ, here's why I'll stay pat is because when you look at the teams that this great defense has gone against, Florida, Cincinnati, Air Force, Purdue, and Michigan State, there's not one good offense there. Purdue now, with Brom there, is throwing the ball more, but they had Blau banged up, so they're going with the two-quarterback tandem. When you play somebody like a Penn State or somebody that's going to put the ball in the air, then show me how good your defense is because you lost 10 starters, and I have a feeling this defense is not that good. And I think this team is soft all the way around. They miss offensive components like Jake Butt, the tight end, guys that had football savviness and vigor. You watched this game at the Big House last week. I never got the feeling that Michigan was going to win that game. Here's where I'll respond. That's why I like comparing, okay, how did those opponents perform against other defenses? Michigan has held each and every one of their five opponents to a season low. So that tells me that Michigan's defense is legit and elite in the country by comparing to see what those other teams that you say struggle offensively. Well, they struggled more against Michigan than any other team that they played so far this season. Okay, so we were on Fox Sports radio nationally and that's friday night 11 to 12 pacific we preview college saturday night we need an extra hour 10 to midnight pacific previewing the nfl and recapping college and you said you thought the michigan quarterback change was neutral and maybe an upgrade where the rest of the market brad thought otherwise now, have you reevaluated that? Yeah, it looked like a slight downgrade. I mean, Wilton Spade hadn't turned the football over five times in his two years of starting at Michigan. So some of it, I think, was the situation. He started pressing because they were down early. Some of it, I think, was the weather. So I can't say all five turnovers were directly because O'Corn's so bad. So should have been a downgrade. That's something that I misstep in my evaluation of Michigan. And I don't know if it is because Michigan State and Florida, those are the only two defenses they played that are worth a crap. And, you know, Spade had trouble with the Florida game, two pick sixes for Florida's two touchdowns. And same thing here. O'Corn had trouble with Michigan State. That's the strength of their defense. I mean, they're, they're of their game. Their defense is the strength. Okay, so let's get to the game itself. Now, this is fascinating. Upperpregame.com, we've got the Game Center. You click it on the top of the page. And within the Game Center, there's a sub-tab that says Consensus. You click that, and you see the bet splits on every game. Ticket count and cash count. Now, nowhere in the world can you get the cash for free except at pregame.com in the Game Center. This is shocking in this Michigan-Indiana game. Now, where are we getting these numbers from? We have a white-label sportsbook software company that has their clients across the country, and we're getting the data fed from all of the different bookmakers that use this software. So this isn't one specific bookmaker. It's not one specific site. It is a bunch of them. So it's a nice cross-section, right? You're getting Pittsburgh. You're getting Florida. You're getting California coast to coast. So far, now we're taping on Tuesday. It's early in the week. Michigan has 100% of the cash and 100% of the tickets. 
but the line has dropped from nine. Now that was an early opener, probably bad online to six and a half minus one fifteen. So it's in, in that seven range. So it seems like now, how could the line drop? Well, that just proves to you that sports books will move on air. If a place place like Chris or Pinnacle, they lower the line. Um, they're gonna uh, this this white label is gonna lower the line too. It only makes sense. So it is interesting that there's a hundred percent one way lines dropping. So it seems pretty clear the public is going to be on Michigan here, thinking revenge. Can on the game handicap leaner like? Well, you know I'm going to lean towards Indiana here, and uh, they're at home. They have two quarterbacks that are legit. Legout played his best game, of course, against Ohio State in the opener, but Ramsey stepped up, and he's a dual threat. He's uh, rushed for 171 and two touchdowns. Ellison, decent out of the backfield. But again, it's their two receivers, Cobbs and Thomas, that I think are going to be able to exploit Michigan's defense. As good as that defense is, Indiana is at home. It did drop. I would buy it up to seven, six and a half, seven. That's that's me. You know, I, I like to have that touchdown if I can do it without getting crushed. And uh, that, that's where I'm going. I'm leaning towards Indiana. They have the home field. They come off a game against a uh, FCS team, Charleston Southern, so no big deal there. They didn't really exert much energy there. And uh, Michigan comes off their rivalry game at home. They lose it. How much practice was? How much fun was practice this week with Harbaugh? I like Michigan. I'm part of the hundred percent. I bet Michigan at a little bit of a lower number of five and a half, but obviously not too much of a difference. Jumping up the point here. Here's what I like. I mean, whenever you're minus five turnovers in one game, to me, that's an outlier. You're not going to be minus five turnovers moving forward, and that's what Michigan was last week. I like the I like Harbaugh's the type of coach that I want to personally play off a loss, particularly a damaging loss, arguably his worst loss since he's been at Michigan as far as in comparison to where they were favored in the game. I like Michigan's defense to be able to shut down an Indiana offense that to me hasn't looked great. They had their moments against Ohio State, but when it was time for Ohio State to put the hammer down, obviously Ohio State did in the third and fourth quarter, pulled away there. Anything under a touchdown, I love the Wolverines in this spot. Okay, so we've got one like on Michigan from Brad, one lean on Indiana. Game number two is our public pounder. This is one where the public is heavy, heavy, heavy. Obviously, they were on Michigan so far. Also, game number two, Auburn. Auburn, 95% of the tickets, 96% of the cash. By the way, this is the biggest bet game as of Tuesday. And can you actually like someone here? Yeah, I do. I'm going to take a shot at LSU, and I'm going to see if Ogeron can redeem himself losing the last home game to Troy, but then turning around and going to Gainesville and getting a win. And again, it's an LSU team that's not playing great. They're not flashy offensively. Geis had been banged up out of the backfield, but Williams has stepped up nicely. They both are within uh, nine yards of each other as far as you know what they've done on the ground. They both have five touchdowns, and that's the strength of the offense. Etling, he'll pick his spots. He's got to find an open receiver here or there just to kind of take some pressure off the running game. But the defense is solid. They have 20 sacks on the year. They're a plus 12 there. I look for LSU to get the crowd into it early to slow down Auburn. Now, they may lose the game, but it'll be a close game. I definitely think it'll be inside a touchdown. You're going to give me seven points in the bayou. I'm going to take a shot at it. Stidham's done his job for Auburn. It's on Johnson that's really the beast as far as running the ball now. I don't think Petway will play. Martin will help out a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're going to give me LSU plus the seven. I'm going to take it. Okay, so this line opened up for Auburn favorite up to seven, now minus 105. So getting a seven here looks, uh, at least you're getting a nice key number there. Brad, you're passing this game. Give us your number one tidbit on it. Uh, I'm wondering if the game, the outright upset over Florida, depending on what line you got, was that 
you know, a, a job saver for Orgeron? Is that the rallying point that they're going to finally move forward from the Troy debacle? Or was it just simply a Band-Aid over an open wound and, and covered it up for just the time being? That's the major question I have. And, and you know, as far as game-specific goes, you know, I, I don't think LSU's offense is going to have much success against Auburn's defense. Auburn's defense, top 10 in the country, going into last week was the only defense in the country not to allow more than 14 points in a game. The question is, can that LSU defense get enough stops to be able to hang with Auburn? That's the, the major question that I have. Okay, game number three. This is our funny line move game. Ohio State, Nebraska. Nebraska's at home. Buckeyes favored opener at 21. Now it's up to 24. All right, you're thinking, okay, a lot of public money on the big road favorite. No big deal. But if you look at the ticket count, 66% of the cash and 64% of the tickets on Ohio State. That isn't the kind of number or percentages in the extreme that you would expect for such a big line move. And you're really touching on, you know, what off of one key number and onto a half a key number, right? 21 and 24 are our key numbers. At least 24 is a half, let's call it. So to me, it feels like one of two things. And then we'll get into the game handicap. It feels like there's some sharps to figure, hey, the public's going to bet this anyway. I like the Buckeyes. I'm going to play it early. Or it could be, and this is what makes this such an amazing endeavor, an intellectual endeavor. It's not science. It's art. Is It could be, hey, we know people want to bet Ohio State. Let's get that line moving. Thing might get up to 27, and then we can buy back the Nebraska we really want. You never know for sure. But seeing this early line move without a big preponderance of ticket count split and cash split on the big road favor is unusual. Brad, we're going to start with you on this one, lean or like? Uh, I lean with Nebraska. And we what we have here is probably the outlier line of the week as far as from a historical perspective and also a current perspective. Nebraska, this will be their largest home underdog role in 40-plus seasons. records. My records go back to 76, and I'm sure you could go another 10 years back because they were really good during that 10-year stretch under Osborne and Devaney. But plus 24 is not only their largest home underdog role, it's their largest by more than 10 points over any other home underdog role that they've had. So they've never been a home underdog by more than 14 during never. that time. And now you're talking they're plus 24. And I'll bring it current and where I do think it's an outlier. Last week, they were at home and were a large double-digit home underdog to Wisconsin, plus 11. And you, that, therefore, means, if we're you know, taking into consideration same circumstances, that Ohio State technically would be laying 13 points on a neutral field over Wisconsin right now? I don't buy that at all. I think it's an inflated line, not only because of last year's blowout, Ohio State won 62-3. Ohio State's off a 62-14 win. And it's also inflated because Nebraska lost by 21 last week. Reality was that was a 17-17 ball game in the middle of the third quarters. Wisconsin scored the last three touchdowns of the game. That's why I lean with Nebraska. Lean or like? I, I'm leaning with Nebraska as well. I can't argue with anything that Brad said. He made a lot of sense and uh, great points. And Ohio State, if you watch the game, too, against uh, Maryland, in the first quarter and a half, Maryland started three possessions from their 48 or inside Ohio State territory. And because Bortenschlager is a third-string quarterback, I never understood what Durkin was doing. Here's a kid that went into Minnesota the week before and beat the Gophers. The kid threw for 175 yards and two touchdowns. On three possessions from either his own 48 or starting inside Ohio State territory, not one time did he allow the kid to pass the ball 
One time he did it on a fourth down on the third trip that they had, which was around the Buckeye 38, and he let him throw the ball, and it was knocked down. But, I mean, to watch the conservativeness, in other words, if this is your quarterback and this is the guy, and I understand you're thin there at the quarterback position, your guys are banged up, but you've got to let the kid throw the football in order to loosen the eight guys that are up front that are knocking the run dead. And Maryland ran well against Texas, but they can't run against an eight-man front. They could not do it in Columbus. They had great field position. Their defense played outstanding for about a quarter and a half, special teams as well. But they were on the field so much because of the three and outs that the game basically was over. And Ohio State, with their brawn, with their depth, wore them down and turned that into an ugly game. Yeah, let let me clarify, because normally when I have a huge outlier, that's going to be a like for me. Here's why it's... So a huge outlier with the line. Huge out outlier usually is a like for me i would love to have a like on nebraska never been this big of a home underdog in 40 plus seasons here's why it's only a lean for me mm-hmm. i'm worried about tanner lee five pick sixes on the season he leads the country in interceptions against a ball hawking ohio state defense i could be winning that game you know covering most of it and another late pick six he threw another one last week that changed momentum in that game could cost me the cover, and that's why it's only a lean for me. I agree with him 100% because Nebraska showed when they got that game even third quarter at 17 apiece, you're figuring for sure, worst-case scenario, they're going to cover the 11, 11.5 against Wisconsin, and not only do they not, they lose it by double digits on top of the spread. And I think, Brad, your approach here is fascinating, is part of our handicap should be if you don't like something but you lean, why? What is holding you back? It could just be, I don't have a good feel for this team, right? I I just did uh, a show I do every week. It's one hour. It's me and a uh, radio host out of Houston named Fred Fowler. And it's on SB Nation Radio nationally every Tuesday night uh, at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. And then they replay it on Thursday um, on SB Nation. And we were talking about the idea of, Put an A, B, or C next to each team. And it's not how good they are. It's how confident you are in your sense of them. And take all the Cs and don't even consider playing games with them. Because you can get tempted into it. When you don't have a good feel for a team, watch the team. See what they do. And wait till you get a good feel. And I think a lot of people don't do that. And they're trying to guess. Well, you know, I don't understand. I mean, teasing to... The NFL Dream Preview, which comes out on Thursdays, right? So this one comes out on Wednesday, the college one. I don't know about Carolina. Last week, I was a skeptic. Cam looked good. Carolina looked good. The wise guys played them heavy, bet them down from three against Detroit. They won and covered. And now I'm like, am I going to buy in now totally? No. So I've got a C beside Carolina. I'm not playing uh, for or against them. Right, because if they turn around this Thursday and lose to Philadelphia at home, then all of a sudden you're back where you started. Exactly. And if Cam plays well again, now he might bring it to a B saying, hey, we got to trust some of these good stats and all that. So in general, there's usually going to be two reasons that you lean or don't like on a game. And one is going to be there's an unanswered question that you're just not sure of. Or number two is it could be that you aren't certain about the team in general, or it could be just you add it up and the line's right, right? That's part of it too. Like the only you, if you know the line's right, you don't play either way, or if you don't know what the line should be, you don't play either way. And I, I've never thought of it that way actually, but that's an interesting way to think about it. Pregame.com, 
I'm R.J. Bowler. We've got the Wise Guy Roundtable, Brad Powers, Ken Thompson, both experts, experts at college football, as is obvious for those listening. Game number four, it's a new category. It's a fan fade. I'm a big believer. If you're a fan of a team, if you can remain objective, it's an advantage because you know that team better. Ken Thompson, a long time. I mean, we we hear the stories about his dad and USC and Ohio State. They all kind of merge together because there's a lot of those stories. But he is a big USC fan, and they're 13 points favored against Utah. And by the way, he's fading them. And I'll be at that game. I'll be taking my daughter, Kiara. It's great to have a buddy that graduated SC Law School that has third-row seats get to go there and use them at least once a year. Last year, I got to take it. Is that your criminal defense attorney? Uh, well, it's one one of several. One of, one of, one you, have, of, you have a team? One of several on the retainer, yes. The dream team. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I basically need the dream team sometimes. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Utah, here's the thing. They come off a tough loss against Stanford, and they lose the game by three. So you get the money, and the line movement went the right way towards the Utes last week against uh, the Cardinal. But, again, Bryce Love is the real deal. And I was listening to several shows, including on uh, SEC Network today, where you know they asked uh, Feinbaum about Bryce Love, the running back for Stanford, and he said, the problem is that you know most of us are in bed and you know these games are ending at 2 in the morning. Wait a minute. First off, this is 2017. We don't have DVRs. We don't have ways that we can go back on our phones and, and watch games. I mean, come on. you got to be kidding me. And this kid, Bryce Love, not only is he leading the nation in rushing, he's leading the nation by over 300 yards in rushing. This kid's the real deal. He ran well against Utah. And when you run against Utah in Rice-Eccles Stadium up in Salt Lake City, you're doing something. But the Utes came back, made it a good, solid game. They lose it by a field goal. And now they have to turn around. they got to go to Southern Cal. But USC is so banged up, and that's the problem. USC is so banged up. When you look at their injury report next to North Carolina, it's the longest laundry list that you've ever seen. And, I mean, there are a lot of key players that are going to miss. Now, do they still have enough talent to beat Utah? Yes. But one thing about Kyle Whittingham's teams is they are physical. They will get in the trenches, and they will beat you up. And where is USC vulnerable on right now? They're vulnerable on their offensive line. And Utah has guys in the trenches that are going to throw toe-to-toe. They're not flashy offensively, but they will run the football. Troy Williams will mix it up a little bit. Troy Williams wanted to go to USC. He grew up a USC fan. He's from L.A., but he ended up going to Utah, and he burned the Trojans last year. So a little revenge for USC as well. They want to take care of business, but they just want to win the game. They want to get out of there unscathed as far as injuries. They can ill afford to lose anybody else. And if you get into a knockdown dragout with Utah and you, don't, and you try and you know, prolong the game, you're going to lose some guys. It's just, that's just what happens. Ask BYU. That is a, an absolute war when you go against Whittingham's teams. And I think SC's going to win the game, but I don't think it's going to be you know by more than 10 points. I think Darnold will do what he needs to do. Ronald Jones is the only running back going right now that's you know a starter because Carr is out. Uh, there's so many other starters that are banged up. But I think SC's going to win the game. It'll be a close game, and I think SC wins between 7 and 10 points. Okay, so is this a lean or a like? This is a lean. All right, Brad. Lean on the other side. I, I like Utah here. I lean with Utah. Or actually, USC, again, his breakdown there had me thinking I should be leaning with Utah if a fan's going to be going against his team. Here's why I lean with USC here. It's more of a play against Utah. That's what I was trying to get to. Team that's 5-0 and against the spread, so why do I want to play against it? Well, I think it's a fake 5-0 and against the spread. 
barely covered their opener against nobody. It was North Dakota, covered by like a point, but it goes in the win column. Cover- but, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The line accounts for that. See, that's yeah. the beauty of an ATS record. Yeah. It's the great equalizer. Did you bet again? Did you bet Utah in that game? No. Because apparently you think the line is wrong because them covering it doesn't impress you. It, it didn't because uh, looking at the, my and look, FCS games are very soft. I had them like favored by 24. The line was 20 and they won by 21. So okay. that's why I wasn't impressed. All right. But so you had a four point edge, but you didn't play them? And FCS, you don't play. FCS has to be way off, significantly off. Why is that? It's a soft market. I mean, but that means that you want to play more games. If it's a soft market, it means the line's wrong. So if the line's off by four. Well, I'll be honest with you, RG. There's a lot, a lot more off that are more than a touchdown off. That's why you see two touchdown line moves in some of those. Which brings up another point too. We were talking about confidence level. It would be almost impossible, I'm guessing, for you to have a high confidence level on the FC, the, the, the lesser schools, yep. right? Because so thus you need more margin of error. That kind of makes sense. But still, if you cover a spread, you beat expectations. Okay. Fair right. enough. So what I better hear, I don't want yeah. you to hear tick off the next games and say All these right. spreads didn't matter. What I want to hear is why they got lucky to cut. Now, if you tell me, hey, they got they were the beneficiaries of three turnovers and they got outgained, but they still now that's interesting. But if, if the games played out the way they're supposed to, let's give credit to covers now. Fair enough. Five and zero against the spread against a weak schedule. North Dakota, BYU, San Jose State. To put in all accounted for in the, in the spread. All accounted for in the spread. Although maybe not because San Jose State and BYU since that time has been downgraded in the marketplace. Now that's interesting. More than any other two teams probably in the so FBS. so so what we knew about the teams at the time they played Utah. Now this is fascinating. That's, that's incorrect though because when when BYU played LSU, they never crossed midfield and they played Utah after that game. And BYU moved the football that, that game. That's what I'm saying. BYU. So, yeah, even, so even though Utah covered that spread, it wasn't that. When you go back through how BYU's done since then, that was an impressive game for BYU and not so impressive on Utah's end. Is that correct? It, that's true. But they still had their quarterback. Fair enough. So, But but let's slow down because I think you've got a great point here, Brad Powers. Is Wait, hold on. Check out the big brain on Brad. Uh, that's true. Is you, What you're saying is this. We're not even halfway through the season. Teams had a public perception at the time they played. Utah beat those spreads. But in hindsight, those public perceptions were way overrated in a, with a disproportionate amount of teams that Utah has played. So their ATS record is deceiving because those teams weren't near as good as the market thought they were. Absolutely. Now that's compelling. And even in their last two games, misleading cover at Arizona, they benefited from plus four turnovers in that game, although their quarterback did get hurt. I bought into this Utah's beating the market. The market's not taking into consideration this. Last week, I loved, loved them against Stanford. Got an early plus six and a half ticket. The markets agreed with me. Went down to three. But I needed a 90-yard touchdown drive in the final minutes to cover that spread. So they actually did not exceed my expectations again, even though they ended up getting the cover. So here's the thing. When you've got a fan fade yeah. and you've got a really good analysis, and I, I would add one thing to your analysis – when a team's 5-0, and that starts to be a conversation. I do a tweet at, at RJ in Vegas often uh, or each week in which I show all the leading ATS teams in college and pro and then the worst ATS. And people tend to keep betting. One, once people are talking about, oh, Utah covers every time. And then if you've bet Utah, 
you've gotten positive reinforcement, right? Because you've been getting paid every time you bet him. So there's probably an inflation that's going on, too, because of the perfection. The line is 13. I think the sole reason why it's not 14 is because Utah's 5-0 and against the spread. I will say this, RJ, too. With the SC beating, being that beat up, they have not covered a game when they've been this beat. They did not cover at Washington State. They did not cover against Oregon State at home last week. And they, they were fortunate that Oregon State didn't put more points on the board. They squandered a couple opportunities when they were deep in the red zone, and they missed some opportunities uh, you know, to cash in. That game could have been much closer than 28 points. Okay, moving on to the next game. And the next game is Purdue-Wisconsin, and it is our trend game of the week. Brad Powers, what's the trend? Series domination for Wisconsin. They've won each of the last 11 meetings. More important for our purposes, they've covered 10 of those 11 meetings. And basic reasoning, they've been the much more physical team. You would think it's accounted for in the line. It's been such physical superiority over Purdue in the last 10 or 11 years that the line, they've dominated them by far, uh, even above Vegas expectations. Okay, so if we think about the ATS, and again, it's back to the idea of ATS covers, accounts for everything. It Was it raining? Was someone injured? So the theory is there's something institutional about it. We've got Wisconsin favored by 16.5 at home in this game against Purdue. Ken, leaner like. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Purdue. And I was at this game two years ago at Camp Randall. It was my first time there. And Purdue went in there and not a good Purdue team at all. And they hung right in there. It was a six-point game in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin ended up winning and getting a cover, but they outscored them in the last 10 minutes by 17 points. But Purdue's not intimidated by Wisconsin. Again, it's a, it's a divisional game. It's a, a conference game. So... Now you bring in Jeff Brom, a new coach, and he's got offensive players. And with Markel Jones back in the lineup and DJ Knox doing what he does, I think that Purdue's got a chance not only to cover this game, but keep it interesting to where Wisconsin fans have to sweat for a little bit. And I actually lean with Wisconsin here. You make a good point. So hold on, though. I've got in our notes, you uh, like Wisconsin. Is it a like or a lean? You can change. It's a lean Wisconsin. Ooh, because he brought back, up, conservative. Yeah, he, he brought up a good point. You know, that series trends? Did not involve Jeff Brom, the new head coach of Purdue. But the reason I lean with Wisconsin, I go back through my power ratings. I've done nothing with Wisconsin's power rating, even though they've exceeded expectations so far this year. Now, I was higher on Wisconsin than most of the markets coming in. And just full disclosure, because Brad would find a way to slip it in if I didn't say it. On with Colin Cowherd, we did a preview podcast with Colin in the preseason, and you had Wisconsin as a great futures bet. And it was 40 to 1 at the time, right? 40 to 1 at the time, although I bet him, I was so confident in Wisconsin. I bet Fez and I bet him 80 to 1 back in March. And what numbers are you seeing now? Uh, oh, wow. Now 15, 20 to 1. Like it. I might buy into that ticket later. We'll talk about it. All right. Maybe. Ken, continue on the game. No, it's, uh, it's interesting. But yeah, Brahm's a winner. There's no doubt about it. And he's changing. Uh, the landscaping over there in West Lafayette and Joe Tiller, the late Joe Tiller, just passing away. And he was that air raid with Drew Brees and all that good stuff for years over there. You're going to see the same style team and they get some confidence coming back from a lightning uh, thing last week where they did the delay, where they delayed the game for about an hour and a half and they trailed Minnesota by a point. They came up big, outscored them 18 to three down the stretch, won the game and covered the game. And that was huge. They'll have some momentum going into uh, Camp Randall. Yeah, and as far as Purdue's power rating, second most upgrade that I've had of any other team in the country so far. So I felt like I've been fair with Wisconsin, haven't done anything with them. 
I've upgraded Purdue significantly, and yet my power rating says this line should be 17 or more, so that's why it's a lean for Wisconsin. Okay, Wisconsin is 16 and a half. Brad changing to a lean on Wisconsin, and I like it. I love when our experts listen to each other, and you better be convincing sometimes, right? Yeah, or what's absolutely. the point? Right, we're not we're not Republicans and Democrats not <laughs> listening to each other. We're listening, baby. And can you on the other side with convincing Brad to take a little notch off? And you've got Purdue. Okay, guys, here we are. It's crossfire time. It's Oklahoma, Texas, and that means that our boys are battling. We got a little music in the background representing the battle. Oklahoma is favored off a horrendous. Horrendous loss, favored by eight and a half at Texas. Ken, you go first. Tell you what, I love this Texas team, and Brad will tell you, yeah, they've covered the last several in this Red River game. Yeah, and I've had them, and uh, they've been a lot of fun to watch. But you know, they've been significant dogs, and I always looked at these lines and said, man, this is a major rivalry game. I love the way they split the crowd in half. It's a lot of fun. I have not gone to one personally, but I will go. I like the move, switching to Ellinger at quarterback. I was hoping that Herman would do that. He did it. Yes, they had to go overtime to beat Kansas State, but they dominated statistically and should have won the game rather easily instead of having to struggle. But they got it done. At the end of the day, this Texas team is real. They've got a lot of good players on this squad, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Elliott already five interceptions. Look, I know Mayfield's highly touted. It has 15 touchdowns, no picks. That's solid. I'd like to see Oklahoma, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, switch up and put Kyler Murray in there and have him run the ball a little bit, take some pressure off Mayfield. Sermon and Adams are good running backs, but I just don't think Oklahoma's more than a touchdown better than Texas. They may win this game and bounce back, but right now they're seeing their national title hopes go up in smoke. And if they're listening to uh, Feinbaum, Feinbaum saying it doesn't matter what they do the rest of the way, that loss as a 31-point favorite to Iowa State on your home field has knocked you out no matter what you do, and I think that's going to be in the heads of Oklahoma. They'll be lucky to win this game. And that's, to me, the key question of the game. What kind of bounce back are we looking at? Brad, you like Oklahoma. And that's the reason why I like them. You look at the narrative of this series the last four years, where Texas has covered all four times, pulled outright upsets as double-digit underdogs two of those four times, but the narrative was the same every year. Can we save Charlie Strong's job? Texas is completely thrown in the trash. They can't even compete with Oklahoma. That's the, 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 the public media narrative entering each one of those games. So it was Texas in a big rivalry game, always playing with a chip on their shoulder. Oklahoma, you know, it's a rivalry game, but are we getting the A-plus effort out of Oklahoma? I didn't think so in those four years. This is where I think you are going to get an A-plus effort out of Oklahoma. You listen to Lincoln Riley after that press conference. He specifically said, next week's game will dictate how the rest of this season goes. And he even made a, a bold prediction and says, I think you guys see that it'll be in the right direction as far as where this football program is going to go. So I like playing Oklahoma off such a huge outlier loss. They'll be extra motivated. And from a line value aspect, just a couple weeks ago, this line would have been well in the double digits. Give me the Sooners minus the points. And if I'm RJ's Buckeyes, I'm hoping Oklahoma wins this game because all of a sudden that loss at the horseshoe to Oklahoma does not look so good if they lose back-to-back games. Any, you got one closing thought, Ken, if you want. Or you can say, no, I don't need any more. No, I'm good. Boy, Ken doesn't need any more. That's something. Brad, any closing? One thought. I'll give you one on the total. I do like the under in this one. I think Oklahoma's defense has an axe to grind, and I also think so. Texas do you think it's de- do you think it's correlated with Oklahoma? 
It shouldn't be because usually it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because you would think if Oklahoma's going to cover this, they're going to have to outscore Texas. I actually think the opposite. I think the defense, after being embarrassed last week, okay, okay, plays with a chip on their shoulder. And I also like Texas's defensive improvements off a misleading, higher-scoring game against Kansas State that benefited from a couple of overtimes. That's been crossfire. Ken Thompson likes likes Texas. Brad Powers likes Oklahoma, line Oklahoma eight and a half. Now, here's the thing. We've got a couple more games. Then we get into the the real money section of the schedule of the rundown. Jam-packed, action-packed. We're going to be talking a couple of totals people like. We're going to be talking a double like. We're going to be talking best bets. So this is all very actionable stuff coming up. Next game, TCU. Kansas State, and this is the quarterbacks out. What does it all mean game? TCU favored by six. Lean or like Ken? I'm going to lean towards Kansas State despite their quarterback, Jesse Ertz, questionable with a knee injury. I like the way Delton stepped in and played for him and uh, pushed Texas to overtime. And again, Texas squandered opportunities to win that game in regulation, but at the end of the day, Delton did what he needed to do. So if he's called upon here, I feel confident in the Little Apple in Manhattan that he's going to be able to deliver. TCU, they struggled. They're fortunate to win at Fort Worth against West Virginia. In fact, they were outgained 508 to 406 in that game. 27 first downs, West Virginia, just 18 for TCU. So I may have put too much into TCU's basket based on their win in Stillwater against Oklahoma State, Brad. Yeah, and also I lean with Kansas State in this regard. I think the quarterback isn't such of a downgrade that the market's currently saying that he's probably two or three points. I, Delton, to me, is the more explosive runner. Now, he's not the better passer than Ertz, but I saw some legitimacy from the run game, and in an overtime game on the road, he showed some poise in many big moments. I also, it's kind of an against TCU. I was on TCU, best bet material last week. In fact, it was a premium pick, my top premium pick of the week last week, and I actually lost it. But I didn't even deserve to win the game outright. West Virginia was the better team from start to finish in that game. So now I'm thinking TCU, like what you said, maybe wasn't so good. We were overvaluing that outright upset win at Oklahoma State. And again, it was two turnovers to zero. That the difference, and you'll see that, RJ, time and time again, a team that may not play their best ball, but win that turnover battle, they come away with a W. Good stuff, guys. Love the crosstalk. Love the crosstalk. All right, game number eight. It's a total game. So... Of all the dozen or so games that we go over, the boys get to have just one pass and one total game. And this is one where there's a total. It's on the Boise game, and it's Ken's total, by the way. No, that's Brad's total. Real? Oh, yeah, that's correct. So let's Brad's go total, there. and, and, and I actually have a and, side in this game. Yeah, and you actually like it. So mm-hmm. let's start with the total, and then we'll go into the like. So it's Boise, San Diego State. Total, Brad. I, I like the under 45 and a half, a championship game type of atmosphere here. It could be a preview of what we'll see possibly in the Mountain West championship game. A lot of pressure on both sides, specifically San Diego State. San Diego State is a type of under team. Very conservative on offense, likes to pound the ball, very good defense. I think what's being you know a little bit overlooked in the marketplace is Boise State's defense is legit. And they have faced some really good offenses. And I think we continue to find value off the Washington State game that was 31 to 10 with like five minutes left, mm-hmm. ended up being a 44 41 shootout in three overtimes. I'm telling you, Boise State's defense, I think, is top 25, top 30 caliber, just as good as San Diego State's, and it's not being priced accordingly in the market. 
Now on the side, San Diego State at home opened a five-point favorite up to seven. Leaner like. I like Boise State, and I saw San Diego State in person. I was on the field last week against UNLV. Yes, they win the game. They get the cover. It's a good, solid running game. There's no doubt Penny's one of the better running backs in the country, and Washington takes some pressure off him. Chapman's not a great passer, and Boise State will exploit that. They'll pressure him the way that they pressured Luke Falk up in the Palouse against Wazoo. And Brad's right, 31-10. We look back, Boise State should have won that game. Instead, Wazoo has gone on to knock off USC and then beat Oregon. So we've got them elevated. They're way up there. They're inside the top 10 now as a number 8 or 9 team. But this uh, San Diego State team is going to get all they want from Boise State. And it won't surprise me if Boise State wins the game. They're still figuring out Rippin, Cozart, and both quarterbacks are playing because both have strengths. They'll rely on Allie Matson as well to run the ball. And I agree with you. It probably does go under. Uh, correlated either way, I think it goes under. I think you're, you're on the right side total-wise. But I think Boise State has an outstanding chance to win the game outright. Can we say correlated either way? What does that mean? Because I think both San Diego State and Boise State, the way that they play offensively, are under teams. And when you look at 45 and a half, I actually could see this game being in the 30s, the low 30s. And, you know, you guys should know me by now. I'm a big outlier guy. Boise State joined this conference in 2011. Never been an underdog in any conference game. This is their biggest underdog role in a conference game since 2005. So an outlier that I would perceive to be in Ken's favor. but. On the other side, San Diego State is the new Boise of the Mountain West. 20-2 and two straight up, 16-6 and six against the spread their last 22 Mountain West Conference games. They've just been far and away the best team in the conference the last three years. And the difference being is that there's no Chris Peterson up there in Boise. It's Harzen now, and you're going against Rocky Long, the veteran at New Mexico for all those years, and now, of course, with San Diego State for a bunch. I love it. I mean, I, I love it when the boys are cross. In fact, once a show... When I really, really love something, here's what I'm going to play for you guys. Only in dreams do you get this stuff. All right, next up. Next, Roy Overson could sing a little bit. Not too He's bad. actually Just, playing at the Golden Nugget coming up in December. I don't think so. He's been dead oh, no, for like not, 20 I'm sorry. I'm thinking, I, was thinking of Ronnie, I was thinking of Ronnie Millsap. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. I'm thinking of the blind you guy. Know, I, yeah. Get me tickets if yeah. possible. Ronnie, <laughs> exactly. Hey, right. Elvis will be there as well. He's the opening act. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Next game. Now, this one, so jam-packed, this game. It's the sharp money game, and it's a total game. So let's start with the sharp money because that is the, the prominent side is or the prominent thing people are going to be interested in because there's only one sharp money game that we're giving out here. And in that game, it's going to be Texas A&M. Opened up against Florida, a five-and-a-half-point underdog A&M bet down to three. 96% of the cash on A&M, only 76% of the tickets. So, yeah, the public's on A&M too, but the biggest bet's Heavy, heavy, heavy on A and M. So A and M, A and M is sharp. Brad, who do you like? I lean Florida in this one. Oh. Brad, listen. At least you're embracing it. You're embracing it. Yeah, Go ahead. And here's why. Being square. Yeah. He uh, just I, wanted to hear yeah. the Huey Lewis. I did actually. <laughs> I, I gotta listen. I gotta hear that at least once a show. So. Well, it just comes naturally. You don't have to. You, you don't have to try. All right. <laughs> but 
as far as this line goes, and let's take it back to last week. You talk about sharp money. I would say the biggest sharp money I've seen a line move in a big game this year was against Florida last week. They opened about a five-and-a-half or six-point favorite, got bet all the way to a dog against LSU, and anyone that was betting that game until game day cast their ticket going against Florida. We've seen it a little bit here, but now I think it's being a little bit you know, overpriced in the market as far as the line move against them. I mean, on a neutral field, I think Florida's slightly better than A&M. Even though I liked A&M last week, here's what I don't like about A&M this week. It's a quarterback, Kellen Mond. Boy, since you found out that, that your side isn't sharp, like you're equivocating. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> well, I'm worried because I Just like, go be knock loud and stand proud. I was square with Florida last week and got my teeth kicked in, so that's why I'm hemming and hawing a little bit. Believe it or not, this is the first career road start for Kellen Mond, who's been playing since the opener. They haven't had a true road game since the opening loss to UCLA. I worry about that. And f- here's a stat for you. Florida has been very consistent under Jim McElwain. They haven't had eight back-to-back ATS losses in SEC play since 2014. I like them to get a bounce-back win here at home. All right, so, Ken, let's give us a point or two on the side because it is an important game, and then we'll get into the total. Okay, uh, as far as on the side, you know, here's the thing with Florida. They started the season, they had three quarterbacks, and we're just looking and going, wow, what a fortunate club. Luke Del Rio now is out for the year, and you have Franks, and then you have Malik Zaire, Brad knows very well was a guy that was supposed to be the starter at Notre Dame for all these years before Kaiser came on the scene. And now both these guys are struggling and Zaire's not even getting in the game. And Frank's last week, 108 yards passing. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm worried if I'm a Florida fan right now. And I think McIlwain's getting off lightly with all that's gone on there with the credit card fraud and all these players suspended. I mean, something's got to be done internally over there, at least to be checked into. A&M, I like Sumlin saving his job last week by hanging in there with Bama and down 24 to three to battle back and only lose by one score. That's key for him to hold on to his job there with the boosters. You know why? Cause he not only covered the money, he covered the money easily 26 and a half points. You can bet a lot of oil money was bet on uh, the old Aggies last week in a last ditch effort. They figured if we lose good, someone's gone. They didn't lose. They got the money. So there's my so, underlying. So like a J.R. Ewing steam play. There you go. Exactly. You <laughs> a know gusher. It. Major. A gusher. Huge. <laughs> and we were on it. Yeah, <laughs> a huge gusher. All right, but of all the games, this is the one total you wanted to play. Yeah, because these two teams play good, solid defense, and A&M's defense is better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, they've got some players that stepped up and, and have made plays. Now, the one game against Arkansas turned down to, in, the, in Jerry's world turned out to be a, a shootout and whatnot, but uh, you know, I think they're going to go into Gainesville and play, play a team that just doesn't have much innovation as far as offense or many weapons. And so Florida, yeah, they may gut it out and they may get the win at home, but I see this game being in the 30s. I mean, somewhere in the you know, 37, 38 range, and this is 52 and a half. This is by far, you know, a lot higher than I thought, you know, it was going to be. I asked Brad right away, I go, what is it, 45, 46? And he goes, 52 and a half. I said, I'm on the under on that one. All right, so under on that game, Brad, with all the public, the, and the fanny packs and such down on Fremont Street on Florida and me and the Sharps on Texas A&M. Three games to go and two best bets and the only double like of all these games. There's one game that both the boys liked. They both leaned on some, but liked both the boys. And and here's where, where we are going to start. This is Brad versus the world part two. We started with against Ken against the Associated Press. Let's start there, Brad. Where's the AP off in your opinion? 
Texas Tech, overrated, number 24 in the AP poll. In my power ratings that I post each and every week, every Tuesday in the pregame.com forums, I have Texas Tech currently ranked number 39th in the country. I think they've been benefited from a couple of misleading finals, particularly the Oklahoma State game. They only lose by seven. Oh, that's great. I mean, a great performance against the top 10 team. If you watch that game, they should have lost it by three or four touchdowns. Oklahoma State gave up a pick six and a, and a bunch of missed uh, chip shot field goals. And again, who have they played? Okay, they you know pushed a game at home against Arizona State. They played Stephen F. Austin. Last week, they murdered Kansas. Well, who in the heck doesn't beat and murder Kansas? So I think it's a fake team playing a soft schedule. Very overrated. Okay, so let's start just there. Can Tech versus the AP compared to Brad, where do you fall? I can't argue with him at all because that Tech game, and I was on the side of Texas Tech plus all those points against Oklahoma State, but a 97-yard pick six. That changed the game because Okie State was going in and that game would have turned into a rout, but that changed the entire complexion of the game. The crowd got back into it. All of a sudden, it was a one-score game the rest of the way. And again, chip shot field goes missed, so a lot drawn on Texas Tech in that game because they hung within a touchdown against a very powerful Oklahoma State team. Okay, so now, Brad, we've talked about Texas Tech being overrated and in this game right now, and man, now some of these openers were at bet online, so only nickel limits, but still, West Virginia opened as a seven-point favorite in the game, and now they're down to a three-point favorite at home over Tech. Who do you like? I like West Virginia, and I just spoke on why I think Texas Tech's overrated. Ken and I were against West Virginia last week, and both were wrong. I mean, we did this. uh, You said wrong like the Fonz. Yeah. Are you old? You ever watch Happy Days? No. We, yeah, he can't. He could say wrong. He, could, he would go yeah. wrong, wrong, wrong. And that's what he did. He goes, we were wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but we were. You don't take it losing easily. Yeah. No, I don't. But, and here's where I, I was thinking West Virginia was overrated. They didn't play hardly anyone. Well, they played someone last week on the road at TCU and should have won the game outright. To me, what the power rings basically are saying with West Virginia favored by three when you factor in the three points of home field advantage, says these two teams are even on a neutral field. I don't get that at all. And I, I think, think West- Morgantown's better than a three-point home field advantage. And there isn't a bigger road disparate as far as a long travel trip to out-of-the-where-nowhere West Texas and Lubbock to basically out-of-the-where-nowhere or whatever you want to call it, uh, Morgantown. It's not an easy one-way flight you know, I first spent, class. I spent a month in Lubbock one weekend. And how was it? Windy. You know, I went down for a while. I knew a guy, or I know a guy, a brother of my best buddy who was on the Texas Tech staff with Leach, and he was getting married down there. And there was like four bars, and you know, we went out on like on a Thursday, and there was like eight people there. So I listen. I don't know the you know the cool places in Lubbock, right? But it was uh, it was West Texas. Ugh. And uh, <laughs> the farm boy from Ohio says, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Did you actually grow up on a farm? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever put hay in your in your teeth? Absolutely. Not hay, straw. Straw in your teeth? Yeah. Hay, hay is what, yeah, straw. <laughs> straw is the, you know, the bales of straw. Everyone says, hey, no, that's what you feed horses. Straw is the stuff that you see people picking their teeth with. You didn't know that, did you, Ken? That's great stuff. From Jersey. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, uh, now, you, I sorry, bet you, didn't, I had to, you correct me on a lot of things. Well, I had to correct you on that. Absolutely. But, RJ, what, what do you think I'm of proud when you, I didn't know What that. do you think of when you think Jersey? You think of... Sopranos. Okay. So you Cheesecake think, at Greek diners. Right. But what's the nickname of New Jersey? 
The Garden State? The Garden State. More cranberries than any state in the country. That includes California. That includes California. More they're cranberries? Known cranberries. That's, That's what, what you're leading for. with? Well, listen, they're the cranberries, hey, we, but they're the Garden State, State tomatoes. The, the best soil, the best soil as far as farm. That's why per capita, they have more farming than you would think. I mean, you you just... It's not a garden Trenton, state for the reason. Trenton, not in Trenton, not in Newark. Which but, is a smaller city you know, than and you can, you can even find Jimmy Hoffa growing over there by the Meadowlands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, for long-time listeners. Now, <laughs> here's the thing is I just had a flash. You know how in movies there's alternative realities where, like, you know, two people are married and then in the other reality they hate each other. And, you know, I just had a reality. Ken as a history teacher. Right, the tattoos, the big Hogan-like arms, and he's he like dodged two like statutory rape, you know, in his thirties. He avoided. Now, again, this is an alternative reality. I'm not saying you would actually do this, but couldn't you see Ken as a high school teacher in a different universe? Absolutely. Did you ever consider it? I tell you what, if I <laughs> if I if I'd have graduated school instead of having to <laughs> instead of having join in the Navy at 17. Actually, I had to take my GED just to get into the Navy because you had to have your diploma. But, uh, you know, it was the best thing I ever did. I'm glad I grew up there. How long were you in the service? Four years. Four years on an aircraft carrier. I actually became a sportscaster on a carrier when I was over, you know, in the Indian Ocean. The sportscaster left. But you don't realize there's 6,000 guys on a ship, and they have news, weather, sports, a regular two-camera operation. And I got all the scores coming off the teletype. Now, I didn't realize back then when I was 18, 19 years old that I'm getting all of Sunday's scores Saturday night. Could have given them to my buddies. Sure, I'll take the Raiders. I'll give you 12. What the hell? You know, it's like already knew the score. But, RJ, that was me. I would stay there. I would stay up to all hours that of the night. international dateline. Just watching watching the teletype, the automatic typewriter come across with the updates on all these games. I mean, just feeding the paper over and over. That was, uh, that was, my, uh, that was my hobby over there. You know what's fascinating is Alan Boston, right? Fam- you know him. I know him, yep. Famous college basketball handicapper. And... He used to talk about pre, or he's talked about how it used to be pre-internet, where he would watch the sports network feed, which uh, Mickey Charles out of I think Philly, and it would come over some of the scrolling uh, digital things they would have in the mid '90s, let's say, at the sports books pre-internet now, or at least pre most people having it, and you couldn't have it mobily at the sports book, right? It was dial-up AOL style. Is he said watching the ebbs and flows? of those scores updates gave him the, a sense of the game exactly. that you that you can't get cuz yeah you can watch a handful of games you know some with the sound down but watching the, the score stream in you're getting all the games but getting a feel of the ebbs and flows so it sounds like you were kind of weaned that way oh yeah big time and i agree with him 100% especially on college hoops which is my favorite sport to handicap and of course i called college games for 8 years for uh, two different universities so i i love that sport more than any as far as handicapping i love the college football but you have less variables when you have seven eight guys playing and a round ball as opposed to offense defense special teams and a ball that doesn't even bounce the right way all right so we got a double like west virginia any closing thoughts on this game Oh, I love West Virginia. I mean, here's here's the thing. I, I'm just blown away. The line's going the way it's going, and that's what I was telling Brad. I does go, that worry you? Well, it worries it, it me. does I because you. you're thinking maybe somebody over there in Morgantown is seeing somebody in a walking boot that we have no clue about. I mean, sometimes that does concern you when it drops heavily that way, especially against the way that we're looking because I'll always look, and not saying that we're always right, but when I see something go that drastically against me, I mean, this Will Greer guy can flat out pass the ball to transfer from Florida and Texas Tech. Again, it, you know, they blew out 
about Kansas. Nice job, you know, blowing out a team that they should blow out. But this West Virginia team has two identical losses of the same score, 31-24 to Virginia Tech, and then last week to TCU, and those are two quality teams. I think West Virginia is a double-digit winner in this game, and I'll be blown away if Texas Tech wins this game. All right, double like Ken and Brad. All right, I teased it. We got best bets coming up in a moment. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, we were breaking records. Keep it up, and I'll keep delivering not only the show with the boys and the NFL show, too, with Fezzik and Maddie Holt, the better versus the bookmaker on Thursday's release for the NFL, but I deliver coupons for the premium picks. You can get Ken's premium picks, the, his very best picks. You can get Brad's premium picks or any other pro like Fezzik, et cetera. We got some really good guys. And guys, if you haven't gone to the pregame.com forums, there's a guy like a Dave Essler, good fella. If you're not familiar with these guys, they've been with pregame almost 10 years, giving quality con. You know, listen, let's be candid. Most people selling picks, they come and they go, names change, all this stuff. All of a sudden, they used to, you know, there's actually on local radio here. I won't name the station. I don't want to kill them. But there's the same company that has bought for now like three or four years time on the station. So it's like an, an it's an advertisement, but they have like three minutes to, so it feels like it's a segment, but it's really just an advertisement. And like the first time they were guys out of Jersey, the second time they were guys like from the South and they would just try to change their accent. Now they're saying they're from Europe. It's like something, something global. And it's the same people. Like it's this Jersey accent trying to act like they're from Europe now. I mean, listen, I'm not, there's some other, listen, there's handicappers out there that are good, right? Pre-game is not the only place that's good, but if you like good quality free info, the forums are a great place to go. Plus, you get a ton of Brad stuff there. But we've given a coupon every time you've beaten a record. You beat it again. So here comes another coupon, and we're going up a dollar every week. But one caveat, and I'm not trying to make it competitive between the college and the NFL guys. We told you we are up massively from last year in listenership. But week over week, we were only up like 10%. The NFL podcast week over week up over 35%. So if we don't keep going up, well, the coupons end. That's the way it works. So please, you don't have, listen, if you want the coupon, great. If you don't, don't use it. But the way you can help us, share the podcast, tell your friends. If you've listened this deep into it, about an hour in, it means you like what we're doing. Tweet it out. The more you spread the word, the more time and energy we can spend on it. We're trying to decide, are we going to do stuff after the Super Bowl? How many podcasts a week do we do NBA and college? How do we do it? Well, the amount of growth we have will dictate a lot of that. Here's the coupon. Now up to $13 off anything you want. We started at 10, broke the record at 10, 11, 12. Now we're at 13. CFB Dream 13. So the number or the letter C, FB, so that's for college football, Dream 13 is a one and a three, all one word, CFB Dream 13, all caps. It's that simple, 13 bucks off anything you want, Brad, Ken, Fezzik, whomever, and that's good through Saturday only. Then it expires through Saturday only. And now we're heading to our best bets, and there's two of them. And, well, let's hear what Al has to say about it. What are you doing? Why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? 
Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? And that's the key. The likes, leans, we're not sure what they're batting. Here's one. These two professionals are committed to actually betting money on. They're taking off the rubber band off the roll. Ken. I am taking Arizona State plus 17 and a half in Tempe. They're off a bye. I like the way this team's starting to play right now, and I think that uh, Graham's going to save his job. He's going to get a win right here against Washington, not just a cover, but I think they're good enough to beat Washington. It's Look, Peterson's a hell of a coach, and this is a good team, and Browning's solid, doesn't make many mistakes. Gaskin does what he needs to do on the ground, and they've got decent receivers. Pettis is outstanding, but they're trying to find that number two guy. Now, they had you know one guy step up this past week, but now you're going down to the desert. You're going down to Tempe and ASU, Again, starting to play pretty good ball. Wilkins is a gamer. Wilkins is a blue-collar quarterback. I just love the way this kid plays. Uh, Ballage and uh, Richard out of the backfield are both pretty solid, and they've got three good receivers. They are going to miss Crump, their uh, senior linebacker. But still, this team, if they can just cut down on the sacks that they allow, because they've given up 22 sacks, they've got to protect Wilkins. But now Graham has him going outside. He's he's, He's rolling right. He's rolling left. He's keeping the defenses off balance. And if you can do that and not throw the interceptions, and Wilkins pretty good with the football, I think that this crowd is going to be ready, and they've had two weeks to prepare for this game. This is their game. This is the big time. This will save Graham's job. This is a huge game. Washington nearly met their demise last year in the state of Arizona. Fortunate to knock away, knock off uh, Arizona, a team that they trailed uh, on the road in Tucson. But this game in Tempe, not only do I think ASU covers a 17-and-a-half, I think they have an outside chance to win this game straight up, RJ. Whoa. Whoa, 17 and a half. Wow. Best bet, Arizona State. We're going to get Brad's thoughts on that game in a moment. 91% of the cash, 85% of the tickets on Washington. So people liking the favor, but the line is dropping. I like that. Think about that. It opened 18 and a half. It's down to 17 and a half, but 91% on the favor. And what do you remember last? You saw Washington play last week and be dominant and then you know, Arizona State was off. They didn't play. And again, that recency bias. So, Brad, what's your thoughts on this game? Love the pick. Don't like the pick. Love the pick. I will be taking off the rubber band on Arizona State plus 17 and a half. I'm an outlier guy. I'm a trends guy. Outlier. Largest home underdog role for Arizona State since 1996. Maybe even RJ remembers the game. They beat Nebraska, number one Nebraska team, Jake the Snake Plumber. That was the famous 96 <laughs> Arizona State team. That lost to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Wanted to give you some props there, RJ. And the trend, series trend. So Cooper actually had a Rose Bowl win, huh? Yeah, wow. David David Boston, Boston caught one in the end zone with about 20 or 30 seconds left. It was a horrible New Year's Day for me and in the Powers household, let me tell you. Because <laughs> you were betting? No, because I was rooting for Arizona State. Why? Because my, my dad got accepted there. So I actually, but <laughs> so because your dad got accepted somewhere, you became a fan well, of it. Well, we liked it. That's where my parents went on their honeymoon. Oh, and okay. All so that you stuff. guys have a But yeah. w- weren't you a Buckeye fan? No, no. Bowling Green, bro. Come you on. were no, <laughs> no season tickets to Notre Dame growing up. Season tickets to Notre Dame. Anti Buckeye. Anti. See, you you were just a contrarian from the beginning. Had to be. I gr- growing up around Toledo, Ohio. I mean, it was all Michigan and Ohio State, and I couldn't take it. So. You got to root for someone else. Instead of saying, let me be part of this, well, you say, t- let me sit whoa, in the whoa, whoa, corner whoa, whoa. by myself. Hold up. And yeah, think I'm I wanted right. to be a part at that time was a far superior program than Ohio State. We're talking the late 80s, early 90s when oh, Lou Holtz so was there. So you just jumped on the bandwagon. I did. All right. Best bet. 
We've got it from Ken, Arizona State. By the way, we say it every week. Ken does five days a week, a two-hour radio show. Brad jumps on on Monday nights, right? For the oh, whole, good. Yeah. The whole two, does he feed you? Water. What, just, tap just, water or? No, bottled water. Bottled water. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's it. Because back in the day when you were at. 24 of those suckers for $2.50. Back in the day, I'm not yeah. telling you you should demand this because you're not me yet. But <laughs> not even close. Good, good for you. Good for you, yeah. actually. Whatever, whatever you want, Brad. You know that. <laughs> oh, oh no. Now, now, now he's backtracking. Now he's backtracking. But listen. And in fact, I'm going to give him a Steiner's gift card because he's been oh. is there any, so, so solid. And the food yeah. is awesome there. Is there any chance I can talk? There is a chance. <laughs> right. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> He's so afraid yeah. of what I'm going to say here. So back he was at Lagasse Stadium, right? And he had a nice studio set up. And I, I know it's nice now, too. And, um, you know, they were serving food down there. That's at the Venetian. He goes, RJ, if you will come down, it just assumes it's like a per diem. You can get anything you want off the menu. You want a couple of drinks. You want a shrimp salad. And I you know I came down a couple of times. Then you know, I think I did get a cheesecake once, but you know it. And for you, it's water. I mean, do you, do you take it personally? Is the question because you're a bigger man. If I were you, I would take it very personally. No, the I, fact you don't shows you're a bigger man. I just like talking college football <laughs> with a, an enthusiast of college football. It's a, it's like a seven o'clock show, but we meet, we're there at a that's, that's Listen, time. I'm saying if you like to do dinner, that's, that's not a problem. <laughs> You just you just send me the I send me Ken, the menu. I think Ken thinks I'm serious. <laughs> I'm good. All right, you can follow that show and Ken on Twitter, Sports X Radio. It is a deep dive and good stuff. All right, Brad, best bet time for you. We're going back to the Mountain West Conference. Had a Mountain West best bet winner last week with San Diego State. Going to stay in the conference that tends to have more value than their Power Five. Here's where I like New Mexico plus two and a half over Fresno State. New Mexico, I saw a buy sign come on from them a couple weeks back when they outright upset Tulsa in a game that they were a double-digit underdog. And the very next week, in a very competitive, competitively priced game against Air Force, they blow the doors off a of Falcons team. Particularly, the offense has started to find their way here after a slow start. And here's where I definitely like New Mexico. It's kind of a play against Fresno State, who hasn't seen the option. Jeff Tedford is their new head coach, been doing a good job there. But he wasn't used to facing option teams. He was a coordinator at the NFL level before being a longtime head coach at Cal in the Pac-12. And even more importantly, the defensive coordinator for Fresno State was coaching in the CFL. So he hasn't prepped for the option. So brand new coaching staff hasn't faced the option coming off a couple of games that I think has made them overpriced because they played a couple of tomato cans in Nevada and San Jose State. Also overpriced because they're 4-0-1 against the spread. Everything points to New Mexico for me. Obviously, winning the game outright at plus two and a half. I think even a sprinkle and a little bit of money line in there. Give me the Lobos plus the points. I always love a handicap with the option in college for teams unfamiliar. Usually, the market doesn't properly account for that. Ken, any thoughts on that game? Yeah, and they got their starting quarterback, Lamar Jordan, back last week. Or, you know, in the game uh, that they blew out Air Force and McCorley had uh, just a, a huge game. I think he had four touchdowns on the ground. They've got players. They've got Tyrone uh, Owens is another guy. They have solid running backs. So they run the option kind of like an Air Force or Navy, but they seem to have bigger guys. And uh, with Jordan running it, he's better than Gerhardt, the transfer from ASU. But I agree with them. I I can't disagree. Uh, Again, you're going in and you haven't seen the option. Good luck. It's one thing practicing. You know, it's another thing trying to stop it. Well, listen, guys, if you've listened, if you listen this far, you know how sharp Brad is. If you're not following him on Twitter, you're missing out. It's at 
Brad Powers 7. Brad Powers 7, the number 7. And tons of stuff up at pregame.com from Brad and everybody, including power ratings, free picks, videos with Fezzik, the whole thing. And you can get all that on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. We'll be back tomorrow or on Thursday. We release the NFL Dream Preview. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. What's happening, guys? This is Chael Sonnen, America's favorite gangster. Make sure you check out my show, You're Welcome, right here at Podcast One. I've got guests like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Dana White, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and upcoming Brad Pitt and Will Smith are going to be in studio to talk about upcoming projects. Go, listen, enjoy, check it out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Send a pigeon, send a fax, write it on a postage stamp. Just make sure you are listening to your welcome at Podcast One or download and listen on the Podcast One app. Have you heard Spike's Car Radio here on Podcast One? It's comedian, actor, and writer Spike Ferrison sitting on the porch in Malibu talking to his famous friends about cars. My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. He was all right. Don't try to hug him. Or Chris Hardwick. I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like, it was like unprotected sex for driving. Could, <laughs> Jeremy Piven. I hold you know what? I think years. you and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars, <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it. Other past guests include Jason Bateman, Russell Peters, and even Adam Carolla. Mr. Adam I just Carolla. go with the queen. I mean, the king role has been filled, but the queen vacancies are You're open. the queen of all media. Get new episodes every Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, on the new Podcast One app or at Apple Podcast. And if you like Spike's show, check out our other car shows like CarCast with Adam Carolla, Everyday Driver, or Shift and Steer, exclusively on Podcast One.